0: We welcome you. If it's your first time in the new building, uh, welcome. This is our new sanctuary. Uh, It's a glorious, beautiful, uh, odd, or oddly, I should say, warm October day. Uh, Hopefully we get a chance today to enjoy that weather. Uh, Before we begin service, I'd like to begin uh, with the reading of our mission statement here at Sheepgate. We exist to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, to love God, and to love neighbor, to worship God, and to enjoy him forever. Let's remember uh, this call uh, as a church and as a community our mission and our goal uh, if it helps you can close your eyes as i read our passage uh, as we are called into worship i read from psalm 21 verses one to seven this is what it reads O lord in your strength the king will be glad and in your salvation how greatly he will rejoice you have given him his heart's desire not withheld the request of his lips for you meet him with the blessings of good things you set a crown of fine gold on his head he asked life of you you gave it to him length of days forever and ever his glory is great through your salvation splendor and majesty you place upon him for you make him most blessed forever you make him joyful with gladness in your presence for the king trusts in the Lord and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. These are words of King David. So the reference to King is himself as he writes these words to God in such great gratitude of the salvation that comes from God alone. Let's close our eyes as we pray, and in our hearts, as we come before God, let's pray a prayer of firstly repentance for the sins we daily commit. Let's pray a prayer of acknowledgement Christ our King, Christ our Savior, Christ our Lord, let's also take this time to silently pray in our hearts a prayer of gratitude for the salvation that alone comes from God. Let's pray. I'd like to draw your attention to the screen uh, where we will read question 80 of our Westminster Shorter Catechism The question reads, what is required in the 10th commandment? Of course, read the 10th commandment last week And the answer states to us, the 10th commandment requires full contentment with our own condition With a right and charitable frame of spirit toward neighbor and all this is his All this is his so the 10th commandment, just again, a reminder of the condition of our hearts, uh, that there is a lack of contentment within ourselves in our condition, and so we seek after that which is not rightfully ours. But there's also uh, what's written to us, a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor that we ought to have. And so this is what is required of us in this 10th commandment. My prayer and my hope for all of you is that you would have this right and charitable frame of spirit toward one another as christ as christ taught his disciples that as they love one another the others would know that we are followers of him so as we are reminded of this uh, let that be the prayer uh, for yourselves this day and moving forward uh, before we go into a time of song with our praise team let's take a moment to pray let's bow our heads in prayer, or bow our heads in prayer. gracious god we thank you this wonderful day we look outside and uh, we see the sun shining how beautiful and warm the weather is we thank you so much for the gift of such a day but greater than this is the great great gift of your son Jesus Christ who uh, came and died for us and through him through faith in him alone uh, we are able to be justified Father we are able to be uh, to be rewarded with salvation God we thank you so much for that son we thank you so much for that gift of grace that we've done nothing to earn um, that we we certainly do not deserve God, this day as we gather together as the body of Christ, as the church, we ask that our songs, as they are lifted to you, that our prayers that are offered to you, and that our worship and all of our reading of scripture and hearing of, all of these things, oh, Father, would be honor, honoring and glorifying to your name. We thank you so much uh, for the brother and sister next and around us that we are able to worship together like this as one family. We thank you pray all this in your name. Brothers and sisters, would you rise from your seats? Be seated, I want to welcome all of you again uh, once more to our Sheepgate Fellowship Sunday service. It's October 23rd, 2022, as we continue our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. If you have a Bible, please open it to Mark chapter 1. As we continue to read, now having completed our prologue uh, in the first 13 verses of the Gospel of Mark we now enter into what essentially is the content of the gospel itself. The prologue contained, of course, for us in the very beginning, mentioned that this is the gospel according to Mark uh, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the emphasis on Son of God. Of course, then was given uh, the prophetic words of the prophet Isaiah uh, that prophesied about this coming, the coming of the Lord, and of course, prefaced by uh, the forerunner, who is the messenger of God, who will prepare the way for the Lord's coming, that of course being John the Baptist. We were then given a description of John the Baptist, his ministry, even his diet and his fashion attire and such things. Uh, And then of course last week we read of the baptism of Jesus and the temptations that he faced in the wilderness prior to the beginning of his ministry. We looked at all of that to conclude simply in the prologue that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God. Let's read Mark 1, 14 to 20 uh, in the Gospel of Mark as we continue to read and study this Gospel. Once again, Mark 1, 14 to 20. I'll read from my Bible and you can follow in yours. This is the Word of God. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the Gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand "'Repent and believe in the gospel. "'As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, "'he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, "'casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. "'And Jesus said to them, "'Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. "'Immediately they left their nets and followed him. "'Going on a little farther, "'he saw James, the son of Zebedee, "'and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, "'mending the nets. "'Immediately he called them, "'and they left their father Zebedee in the boat,' (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of mean to the father. Well, with the hired servants the hired servant and, went and went away to follow him. Follow him. Amen, the word of God. Sorry, I was like echoing there, right? Um, that was some weird uh, extra voices that was entering my mind over there. But anyways, Mark one fourteen to 20, the word of God, amen. Before we begin, brothers and sisters, as we do each week, I'd like to pray for our Unreached People group of the day. They come from Serbia. They are the Serbian-speaking Jews, very, very small uh, unreached people group, only 1,200 of them, roughly, and none are Christian. As you can guess, they are all Jewish, and so we'd like to pray for these Serbian-speaking Jews who live in, uh, in Serbia. If you don't know where that is, you can look that up on the map and uh, figure out where, where that would be. Uh, but yes, we'd like to pray for them. Uh, many of them are situated um, primarily in Belgrade, if you're familiar with that area, um, and so we like to pray for this small, I guess, very mi- minority group uh, living in Serbia currently. They're completely unreached—1,200 of them. So we'll pray for their hearing of the gospel and response to the gospel. Uh, there's continual things happening. We have elections coming up here uh, locally, uh, but we also have, of course, the war in Ukraine continuing uh, to wreak havoc. There's risk of war, I believe, in Taiwan now. Um, A lot of experts are predicting that could be a potential thing. Uh, It's a lot of things to pray for in the world um, as we continue to see some of these things occurring. And it's very, very, very unfortunate. Uh, But i like to pray for, I guess, specifically today, uh, locally, our uh, educators and our teachers. And I had an opportunity yesterday, Liz and I were driving uh, one one of our friends home, and she's a teacher here. She was telling me about how important it is uh, for us to pray for teachers, those who will educate our children, right? Um, and she gave me a lot of great insight um, in terms of um, how important it is uh, for a teacher uh, to be of faith and that person to not compromise and teach faithfully, that although the system may continue to swing uh, you know, away from Christological teaching and biblical teaching, uh, that the teacher can make a massive difference in how that education is given to our children, and uh, she requested prayer, and that really just stuck with me overnight. Uh, So I'd like to pray for that. I'd like to pray for our educators. Some of you are going to be future teachers as uh, you're going through that right now, right? So we'd like to pray for you and our uh, current educators as well. Let's take some time to pray and then we'll begin. Father God, we thank you for uh, your word as we read Mark 1, 14, 20. We ask that its teaching and its truth would be not just compelling, uh, but convicting to our hearts that it would move us and shape us to be more like you. Gracious God, we ask that you be with uh, the Serbian-speaking Jews in Serbia. Only 1,200 of them, so easy to disregard, uh, to not look at them as important from the human perspective. Father God, each one who is lost is important, and we ask, O Lord, that they would come to hear and respond to the gospel in faith. By means only you could know and have prepared, we ask, O Lord, that those things would come to be. Father, we also ask uh, prayers for the educators of this province and this country. As children grow up here, um, as young minds are shaped and molded, um, as they're taught things, uh, especially things that are, you know, when we were children, we had no idea what uh, kind of influence our teachers were having in our lives. Looking back now, we can see how important that is, and we can see its, uh, its gravity And so, Father, we pray uh, for the educators of this province and those who are teaching young children uh, in our schools. We ask for, especially teachers who are Christians, to be faithful, to be non-compromising, and continue to teach uh, the conviction of their faith. And with that conviction, we thank you and we ask for protection over them. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us today. Mark 1, uh, 14 to 12. I don't know how it's been so far. Kind of gauge a little bit of uh, feedback uh, throughout the week from some of you in terms of the first 13 verses that we've read. Uh, I got a few good tidbits, so that's good to know. Uh, but let's begin. Our sermon is entitled, The Time is Fulfilled. It comes, of course, straight from the text. I like to extract most of my sermon titles just straight from the text. I'm not very creative with that stuff. Um but uh, the reading of this text is quite important for you. Uh, and it's the beginning, right? After the prologue, it's the very beginning of the gospel itself. And so we like to uh, really pay close attention, te- attention to each of the details that Mark gives us. Remember, Mark's pace in his gospels is rapid. So you're going to have to follow along quite uh, attentively. After brief descriptions of the ministry of John the Baptist, the baptism of Jesus, and the wilderness temptations that Jesus endured, Mark, our author, jumps right into the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. What I find most compelling about Mark's telling of this beginning is that there is no spectacular feature of his narrative that we read today. What is absent here is a miracle or fantastic display of power, no healing, no demon casting. Instead, what we have is Jesus preaching the gospel of God, and Jesus calling his first disciples. But brothers and sisters, it would be injustice to refer to these things as nothing less than spectacular. For what do we know about this Jesus of Nazareth? What have we learned so far in our first 13 verses? This is Jesus, the Son of God. Mark has made that emphatically clear, and it is something we cannot forget in our own minds. This is no ordinary man walking around Galilee and preaching the message of repentance and belief. This man, unlike John the Baptist, who was extraordinary in his own right, is the son of God himself. So let's take a look at the text. There's just two simple headers and points to today's sermon. Verses 14 to 15, our point is the gospel of God, and we'll look at the content of what that gospel entails. Our second point comes from verses 16 to 20, and the point reads, Becoming Fishers of Men. So we'll look at those, those two points, two headers to organize the text we read today. Verses 14 to 15, the gospel of God. The genesis of Jesus' ministry as recorded for us in Mark's gospel depicts the preaching of a message by Jesus, a message that is summed up for us in verse 15, and it's given this title, the gospel of God by Mark. In verse 1 of Mark, and verse 1 of this chapter, Mark has already referred to the entirety of this book, the entire composition of the gospel of Mark, as a gospel, right? So if you read verse 1, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what verse 1 read. So he's already used this term before. So the connection is simple to make. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the record of his life, ministry, and accomplishment. The gospel is that. The record of his life, ministry, and accomplishment. And it is is one in the same as this, as the gospel of God, the message that Jesus preached in Galilee. So once again, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Life, ministry, accomplishment of His of of Jesus is one and the same to Mark as the gospel of God. The record, uh, the message that Jesus preached in Galilee. The term gospel is being used synonymously here by Mark to refer to both of these messages about Jesus and the messages of Jesus, which really attests to this: the unity that this term gospel holds in binding both the narrative listen carefully it binds both the narrative of who jesus is and what he did and said the term gospel then is ultimately one that points us straight to christ and no one else we see here again mention of john the baptist a connection that will continue to be made as john was the forerunner of christ but mention of his arrest here which will lead to his gruesome death later, should then point keen Bible readers to the end of Jesus' life, for he too will be arrested and put to death in the most gruesome of ways. Our commentator James Edward writes, the arrest of John and the beginning of Jesus' ministry are intentionally correlated to show that the gospel is proclaimed and known in adversity and suffering, not so much in ease and comfort. What an important reminder to all of us, all Christians today, just as the disciples will learn themselves later in their own lives and ministries, that the proclamation of the gospel of God and of Jesus stirs controversy, it stirs retaliation, and it certainly comes with risk. But it is to be faithfully done despite these realities because it is a message of life to those who are dead. I remember watching, um, I remember a uh, long time ago, my freshman year, I'm not going to tell you what year that was, but it was a long time ago, uh, my freshman year at uh, what is now TMU, back then was Ryerson, right, pre-TMU, pre, uh, post-TMU era. Uh, but in the, when, I, when I was a freshman year, I remember turning on the news and uh, uh, reading an article about what something happened in Korea. Basically, in Seoul, there was a, a, a fire, a bombing. I think it, it might have been some kind of like, not so much a terrorist attack, but some kind of sabotage of the system, and a fire erupted in uh, in the subway system. And basically a train got caught, and a fire was about to engulf this entire train. And the conductor, or like the person who is driving this train, had what was called a master key. So when an emergency happens, what usually occurs in the Korean... I don't know why this is the case, but in the Korean subway system, all the doors auto-lock. So everything auto-locks and keeps people protected within. Uh, but of course, because the fire is on, so people have to get out. So the emergency doors have to be opened by this conductor with a master key. Basically, this guy just got so scared and so frightened um, and very selfish, uh, he dropped the key and just ran out himself. So he opened his own door, dipped, and left 200-something people to just burn to death um, in the train. Did not even attempt uh, to try and help a single person. Uh, of course, later he, I mean... Every, everyone knows what happened, there's a black box, you can tell what happened. So he got caught, got arrested, and on trial was questioned, why did you do this? And he simply said, I was just terribly afraid, <laughs> like literally just terrified that I would die, and all he could think of was himself. And of course, the families of these people who were lost were just in such grief, and not so much, I mean, very much at the fact that they lost their loved one but so much more because no one, the person who had control, someone who had uh, the opportunity to help did not even try. Why? Because it involved risk. Because fear overwhelmed him and consumed him. It reminded me, uh, as I was reading this um, this week, of just the evangelistic effort of the Christian We don't have like emperors and kings and kingdoms and empires like persecuting us to our death for sharing the gospel here in Canada. We face a different type of persecution, right? Like social exile or like looking really embarrassing in front of people. This is the type of persecution we face, right? None of us are going to get hung on a cross upside down. But the fear of that, the fear of looking foolish in this world, is what causes us to behave just like this conductor, to live a life in fear, even though we have the gospel of life itself. So we can't be afraid to preach this gospel when opportunity arises. Mark interestingly sums up the whole of Jesus' message of the gospel in three statements in verse 15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe. Typically, the New Testament authors sum up the gospel, specifically Paul, as the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. But remember, the death and resurrection parts have not occurred yet in history. And so we see a glimpse into the gospel message as it could have been known prior to these events. Let's look at these three statements. The time is fulfilled. Paul declares in Galatians and Ephesians that the dawn of salvation is the fullness of time. Time is an infinite concept, but here it is made almost finite. How could time be fulfilled? There is a submission that is being indicated to us of time to a greater force and power. But it is not just time itself, but a time, the time, the kairos in Greek. It is the fulfillment under which all of time stands. And this fulfillment is the person of Jesus Christ, his coming to us. This is again an announcement of a new beginning, a new genesis, if you will, in which people will be able to redeemed to God. Then the second statement, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom language finds its roots in the Old Testament once again, and the Old Testament has depictions of God as king over Israel, a theocracy, his people, here, Jesus' statement affirms this, but, here, but there is a new layer introduced to us, that this kingdom is at hand. The idea is nearness of this kingdom. The connection that one is to make eventually as they come to know Jesus is that the person of Jesus himself is almost a personal representation of that kingdom itself, and that his coming is the nearness of that kingdom, thus making it at hand. If Israel was the kingdom of God, the king in the Old Testament Uh, Sorry, if Israel was the kingdom and God is the king in the Old Testament, Jesus is, in a sense, the new Israel and thus the kingdom personified and entering our own realities. He is everything the kingdom ought to be. Mark's rendering here is indicating to us this, as Edwards puts it, in Jesus of Nazareth, the kingdom of God makes a personal appearance. And then there's a response an appropriate response to such things, the time being fulfilled and the kingdom being at hand. And the response is repent and believe. It's the very message as we read in the other Gospels of John the Baptist himself as the forerunner of Christ. There is but one access to this kingdom in this kairos, Jesus. And knowing this Jesus means knowing what that entails. The first is repentance, a turning away from sin, things that turn us away from God. And belief, faith, having trust and faith in God always. God's work to save the lost demands an appropriate response in those that are truly saved, which leads us very beautifully into the second part. For I do not think Mark coincidentally connected these two things. The second point is becoming fishers of men. So from that, the message of repentant belief, Mark leads us directly into the calling of the first disciples. So when we read verses 16 to 20, Mark's recalling of Jesus' calling of his first disciples is unique in nature to the other Gospels. John gives us relational nuances prior to their calls. Matthew gives us a whole event surrounding the calls. Luke depicts the call within a story as well. But here, Mark, as he did with the baptism and temptation of Christ, takes very little time and wording to depict this call of four men into discipleship with Christ forever. It is, at, it is odd at first glance But a careful reading indicates three standout features that highlight important aspects of this call that can relate, I think, to all of us today. First, Jesus' word is absolute and it is authoritative. There is a firm word here from Christ that holds weight and authority, but not just weight and authority, total weight, total authority. His words are not designed to be persuasive or one that tries to sell a life of following Christ to these men. His call is simply to follow him. This was unique for a Jewish rabbi to do at this time, for no one just walked around and called men to follow them. Typically, young Jewish men had to prove themselves through testing and education, but Jesus picks his own, and he calls them face to face. Similar to how we see Abraham suddenly called up to go to a foreign land, Moses to go and free his people, David to be the next king of Israel. Out of nowhere, these men are called to be servants of God. God calls with a voice of authority that he alone possesses. And here Christ exercises that divine authoritative call and voice to call his first disciples. Second is this, Jesus' call requires a response into service. It's not just a pack up my bags, and just go where he goes. It's literally learning to live life the way that Christ dictates, in servitude of him. To what are these men called to is the question you should be asking. They are called into a life of serving God, following him in obedience as they put their faith and trust in him. They will become, Jesus says, fishers of men. Of course, a play on their occupation. They were already some of the best fishers in all the known world. They could certainly fish fish, but to fish men, they would need to respond to Christ's call and they would need to learn to serve him. This entails a life, as we now know in hindsight, of hardship and growing painfully for these men. But what results from this is exactly what Jesus said on this day. One might say that the church's origins in history, are contained within this call of Christ of these men. Third, Jesus calls his followers, and this is the beautiful part, into a community. Following Christ is not done alone. In fact, it's not meant to be done alone. There are exceptional cases in parts of the world today in the global community that we live in, where walking alone could be a temporal reality. But even then, there ought to be knowledge within those Christians of the global church and the global community they are a part of abroad. But in the common cases, Christians like you and I, just like these men, are called to be in community. But we don't want to do the fishing, None of us want to do the fishing. We want the meal on our plates without the cooking and the cleaning. But what is more glorious, brothers and sisters, is being called into becoming fishers of men and then enjoying the community that results. How glorious it is that we are given, brothers and sisters, in our lifelong journey with Christ. I think it's, a, it's an honor to have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So the promise contained within this call is this, I will make you fishers of men, thus resulting in the fishing of men, thus resulting in more men becoming followers of Christ. There's a community that is being promised to these disciples. Little did they know, really, what they were getting themselves into, I would imagine. But you can imagine many, 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 many years later, Them thinking about these words of Christ, them thinking about that day when Jesus called them and they responded to that call of follow me. Imagine them sitting around, eating a meal, going, remember when Jesus called us? This is crazy, isn't it? I imagine it would be something like that. Simple, yet powerful, isn't it? These very, just these few words recorded for us by Mark, our author. I conclude with just a simple conclusion. And my conclusion and takeaway is twofold. First, the gospel of God is completely Christ-centered. It is only through faith alone and Christ alone that the sinner can be justified and saved. As Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through him. Second, the gospel demands proper response. To those who confess themselves as Christians, take heed to these words that confession is a response to God that you are no longer who you once were. It is to say this, that you are made new. This entails a life that is no longer in pursuit of the passions of this world, but dictated and geared towards the things of God and of God himself. There is such a thing as an appropriate response to God's gracious call. So brothers and sisters, let us take these words as food to our souls and nourishment to our bodies and be blessed by them this day. Let's take a moment to pray and think and reflect on what God has taught us this afternoon.
1: Try for a ship.
2: Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, we praise you for showing us great love and sparing not your own son, but sending him to be the perfect and final sacrifice for sins. We ask you, God, to comfort, renew, and strengthen us this week as we remember and behold Jesus and trust in him for our righteousness and salvation. God, we confess that we often forget this love you displayed to us in Christ and all the spiritual blessings we receive in him we look far too often at things below and become sinfully selfish with what you have given to us. God, will you remind us that we belong to you, all that we have belongs to you, and we exist as your people to glorify you. Will you humble us, therefore, and impress upon our hearts who you are, God, and who we are in relation to you? And enable us to give you this offering with joy, with love, and with gratitude. Will you, God, receive this offering and use it for your purposes here in our church? in our community, in our city, and in this world. Will you use it to be a means for your gospel to be spread, for people to repent and believe in Christ, and ultimately for your name to be praised? We ask our offering is used to this end. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you. You may be seated. Okay, at this time, um, I'm going to, at the end, conclude with our announcements, uh, but we're going to have Just a short time, about 10, 12 minutes of uh, an infant baptism for a brother, John, and his second daughter, Isla. So I'm going to welcome up. Uh, I can't do baptisms yet. so (laughs) So I'll translate for all of you.
3: 네 오늘은 좀 특별한 날입니다. This is a special day. 어저 yeah. 오타와에서 <laughs> <laughs> uh, 지금 있는 특별히 그, uh, 중에 우리 아까 어나운스먼트 oh. 했듯이 둘째 딸 아일라리를 위한 아 uh, 유아 세례를 하는 시간입니다.
0: So we have a time where uh, our brother John who lives in Ottawa currently is in the navy. Uh, we're gonna have an infant infant baptism for his second
3: daughter Ayla Lee yeah.
0: might be your first time uh witnessing an infant baptism or, or partaking in one uh, so in the name of Christ we welcome you and uh, hope that it's a good time
3: yeah 길게 안 걸리고 한 10분 정도 걸릴 겁니다. 예, 성경을 한 구절 읽겠습니다. 마태복음 18장 3절. 18.3 uh, 예수께서 이르시되 진실로 너희에게 이르노니 너희가 돌이켜 어린아이들과 같이 되지 아니하면 결단코 천국에 들어가지 못하리라.
0: scripture reading from Matthew 18 verse 3. Jesus said, truly I tell you unless you change and become like children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 예,
3: 잠깐 기도하겠습니다. in prayer. 하나님 감사합니다. 오늘 유아세례식에 참석하는 우리 아일라와 우리 가족들을 축복해 주시고 또 우리 모두를 축복하셔서 오늘 하나님 앞에 우리 함께 은혜받는 귀한 시간 되게 주옵소서. 예수님의 이름으로 기도드립니다. 네. 이건 다 알아들었죠. 예. 예, <웃음> yeah, 부모 유튜브는 부모님 앞으로 오세요. So Ayla parents
0: and Isla, come up to the front. Mr. John, his wife Dian and Isla and Josephine his first daughter. 네. 이제 여러분은
3: uh, 이 아이가 거룩한 세례를 받도록 이렇게 데리고 나왔으니 다음 질문에 대해서 하나님과 그리고 그의 백성들 앞에서
0: 진실하게 대답해 주시기를 바랍니다. So before God and the witnesses, which is you, uh, there will be a time now of questions to the parents as they uh, commit uh, this child to the Lord. 네, 첫 번째
3: 질문입니다. First question. Uh, 첫째, 둘째 셋째를 다 하고 나서 마지막 uh, 전체에 대한 대답을. 예, 하나님의 도우심 아래 약속합니다. 이렇게
0: 대답해 주세요. 첫
3: 번째 묻습니다. 여러분은 예수 그리스도를 여러분의 주요 구세주로 고백하며 하나님의 약속을 믿 받으며 성경과 그리스도의 교회가 선포하는 기독교 신앙을 진리로 확증합니까? For,
0: oh, first do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, accept the promises of God and affirm the truth of the Christian faith which is proclaimed in the Bible and confessed in this church of Christ? 두 번째 질문입니다.
3: 여러분은 여러분의 자녀가 본래 아, 죄악으로 태어났지만 그리스도 안에서 하나님께서 언약으로 영접하셨으므로 세례를 받아야 함을
0: 믿습니까? Second, do you believe that your child, though sinful by nature, is received by God in Christ as a member of His covenant, and therefore ought to be baptized?
3: 세 번째 묻습니다. 여러분은 성령을 의지함과 기독교 공동체를 힘입어 이 어린아이에게 기독교 신앙을 가르치며 여러분이 모범을 보여줌으로써 자녀가 그리스도의 제자로 살게 하는데 온 힘을 기울이기로
0: 약속하십니까? Third, do you promise in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community to do all in your power to instruct this child in the Christian faith and to lead her by your example into the life of Christian discipleship?
3: 네,
0: they said, We do as God helps us.
3: 네. <laughs> 말씀했듯이 예, 하나님의 도우심으로 우리가 약속합니다라고 대답해 주십시오.
0: So now there's a time of question to the congregation as the body of Christ as witnesses of the infant baptism. Uh, there will be a singular question, and as a response, if all of you can declare vocally, we do as God helps us. 주의 백성
3: 성도 여러분, 이 아이를 사랑으로 영접하며 위하여 기도하며. Do you,
0: the people of the Lord, promise to receive this child in love, pray for her, help, care, and for her instruction in the faith, and encourage and sustain her in the fellowship of believers? We do, as God helps us. Okay.
3: 감사합니다. 이제 베풀겠는데. 우리 아이, 고, 거기 서서, 서서 계시면 됩니다 okay, We'll now
0: have the infant baptism 아닙니다, <웃음> Tears of repentance.
3: 자 공포하겠습니다.
0: It's now a time of declaration.
3: 나는 이지은 아일라리에게 해외 한인 장로의 양문교회 유아세례 교인된 것을 성부와 성자와 성령의 이름으로 공포하노라. 아멘.
0: I now declare that Ailali is a member through infant baptism of Yangmun Church in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
3: 예, 고맙습니다. 뒤로 어 아, 잠깐만. 뒤로 돌아지는데 어 축하하고 선물을 주는 시간인데 우리 양문교에서 항상 유아세례 베풀 때 아이한테 이제 일평생 동안 간직하라고 십자가를 드립니다. 제가 어디 둘 데가 없어서
0: 주머니에 넣었는데. <웃음> So, when we have baptisms, we usually provide a small gift in remembrance uh, of this time. So, 예, a small cross necklace.
3: 십자가는, uh, he went to Israel and bought
0: it from Israel.
3: 그리고 가지 더 있습니다. 하나는 uh 증서 so certificate, certificate of yeah, infant baptism. 아, 여기다 이름 새겨서 또 드리고
0: 아, 성경 선물도 함께 드리겠습니다. So her first bible and a certificate of infant baptism.
3: Yeah, 아이 키울 때 하나님 말씀으로 잘 양육하라고 yeah, 성경 말씀 드렸어.
0: 혹시 또이 시간에
3: 뭐 선물 주실 분이 있으시면 with,
0: uh, uh, like give, 뒤로 좀 돌아주세요. 인사 한번
3: 하시고 저기 선물 대표로 드리겠습니다. <웃음> 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 네, 우리 멀리 오타와에 살고 있지만 우리 양문의 멤버로서 이렇게 늘 please pray for them. Uh,
0: you may not know John too well, but uh, he was a member of our church before many of you were members. Uh, very, very OG member um, and then he had to move because he's in part of the Canadian Navy. Um, so currently he's in Ottawa right now. Uh, so you'll see him time to time for special events. Uh, but yeah, please pray for their family and the raising of their children.
3: 광고 베네딕션 하면 됩니까? 아니면 예. 오케이. Okay. 자, we 기도합시다. 기도하겠습니다. 이제는 유, 우리 주 예수 그리스도의 은혜와 하나님 아버지의 사랑과 성령이 교통하심이 아일라이 가족과 십게이트 펠로우십 모든 멤버들에게 Okay, I'm just going to
0: do a couple announcements as we conclude for today. Yeah, so just in your seats, I'll just run right through them. First and foremost, welcome to all of you. Um, If it's your first time at Sheepgate, we'd love to get to know you. Uh, I think we have a welcoming team. They have a little QR code. You can scan it. We'd love to connect with you during the week. Uh, offerings uh, can be sent uh, via e-transfer to SheepgateFellowship at gmail.com. Uh, if you're giving towards any sort of missionary cause, we support two missionaries in Asia Minor and uh, two locally here on campuses. If you'd like to give towards them specifically, please just note that in the notes section. Uh, but otherwise, you can give that way. Uh, I did—I totally slipped up. I forgot the physical basket. That's a sin. Um, i got to bring the basket next week. But uh, if you'd like to give uh, through... Uh, like just cash, then uh, you could definitely just let me know and we can get that going. Um, please join us for lunch at church. I know it's super late. It's like three o'clock lunch. It's like a weird lunch time, uh, but we do have a meal prepared. Uh, so we have some traditional Korean noodles prepared for you guys. It's kind of in season, right? Uh, so if you'd like to come and join us for that, uh, please come to th- our regular building just south of here. Uh, we'll have our confession study following our meal together uh, for